to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad that you're here today. Welcome to episode 35 of the Life Lessons podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing really well. That's good. I have a something to share. I don't know. You might find this helpful. I found this app last weekend at work and I immediately thought of my husband. You know, we broached on the fact before that my husband suffers from some depression issues and self-esteem, just stuff that everybody suffers from, things from his childhood even. And I know you can relate with your husband has some stuff that he struggles with as well. And I found this app because especially when my husband has some social anxiety. So going out into public is not his favorite thing in the world. So getting him to go out into public and then see a therapist at the same time is like twice as hard. And so I found this app somehow by accident and it's called Bloom CBT Therapy and Self-Help. And I sent it to him and I thought, oh yeah, this would go in one ear and out the other, right? No, he downloaded it. He asked me if he could pay for it as the annual subscription. He has been doing it every day. It's like guided. I don't know how to explain it. And we're not sponsored by this company. I just want to share it because I think it's pretty amazing. I sat with him and did a session with him this morning. It's little guided sessions that are like eight to maybe 15 minutes long. And you check in and you say how you're feeling. And then it'll ask you, like, what do you want to work on today? And it gives you little prompts and cues. And then you say how you're feeling or what you're worried about or, you know, is it stress? Is it anxiety? Is it your relationship or whatever? And then it'll give you, like, six or seven little lessons, sessions that you can do. And you choose which one pertains to you that day. And it's a little guided video. There's some pause and reflection and you actually like stop and you type in your thoughts. You can save them. So it's kind of like you're doing some journaling while you're doing the session. It's very thought provoking. And then they give you like some guidance. And at the end of each session is a little like guided meditation about like letting go of the negative thoughts that you brought into the session and stepping forward into your day without them. I was very impressed with it. Very cool. It's called Bloom. It's called Bloom. Uh-huh. And it's like, um, you can do a month. I think it was, he said it was $14.99 for a month. Uh, the annual is $59.99. And um, I think I saw that there were over 500 different guided sessions that you could do. And then... I mean, I think he told me he did a check-in today. He's had it for like four days now and he's already done eight sessions. And I wow. asked him like, okay, like, how are you, how are you feeling about it? Cause uh, I think you get 
the first week is for like at the end of the first week, if you don't like it, you can cancel it. And so he really wanted to just jump in and see how he liked it or whatever. And, um, he's, he's really liking it. He says he's learning, you know, a lot about like his reactions to things or how he internalizes things. And, um, he's finding it very useful. And I mean, I'm sure it doesn't replace real live counseling for a lot of things. But if you just have maybe certain areas in your life that you're kind of struggling with right now or something, and, and you just want some extra guidance, I think it'd be very, very helpful for people. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, thank you for that recommendation. I got nothing new. You got nothing new. <laughs> nothing you're, new to share. We're still so. at the beach. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're recording this back to back with the other ones in case people think I'm just crazy staying at the beach forever. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this on the same day as the one before, since I couldn't record last week. So one day you'll live at the beach and then Jen will just always be at the beach. I might. Oh, did I, I share? I don't think I shared. I got to meet someone from the Delay Don't Deny community at the beach and it was amazing. Yeah. You told me that you did not tell her. I told you I didn't share it on the podcast. It was amazing. I was jealous. Hello to Allison. And she was here and we got together. We had a meal at our favorite restaurant. Two below honey. honey. Yeah. <laughs> I also went back there. I took my dad and my stepmother there and they liked it too. So no trip to the beach is complete without going to Tupelo Honey at least one time. Yeah. Wherever you live, if there's a Tupelo Honey where you live and you have not been there yet, I highly recommend so you go good. check it out. And for dessert, just like skip the dessert menu. Go straight biscuit. to the biscuit with blueberry preserves. Yeah. And I'm not a big chain restaurant person. I like to go to places you can't really go anywhere else. But we don't have a Tupelo Honey in Augusta. Right. But it's just not like a chain to me. It's just so good. Yeah. And they change up their menu. Yeah. They do. They keep taking my favorite sandwich off. <laughs> You're going to have to write them, Jen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anyway, it was still delicious, so I don't care. Well, each week we start our show with our good news segment. And today we have a story from Massachusetts. Verda Teta from Fitchburg High School was recently awarded a $40,000 scholarship from the high school while accepting the school's General Excellence Award on June 4th at graduation. The scholarship was to be awarded as $10,000 per year for four years. Verda has plans to attend Harvard, majoring in chemistry while on a pre-med track, but she asked the school to give the scholarship instead to students attending the local community college. Her own mother had gone to college while she was in her 30s in order to help provide a better life for her and her siblings, and she said she understands the importance of a college education to better the lives of families, and she felt that somebody in her community needed the help more than she did as she had other scholarship offers, and she had the ability to obtain student loans. While accepting the Excellence Award and being offered the scholarship, she said, I am so very grateful for this, but I also know that I am not the one who needs this the most. And knowing that my mom went to community college and how much that was helpful for our family, I would be so very grateful if administration would consider giving the General Excellence Scholarship to someone local who's going to community college. It is such a great honor, but I also know that I am not the one most deserving of it. Her response earned her a standing ovation from the audience. Wow. That was a very selfless act. That, that really was. I mean, when I saw that she was pre-med in the tens of thousands of dollars that it was going to, you know, cost her to get through college and then med school. And I thought, and she just handed over $40,000 to give back to her community. Wow. 
Well, that that is definitely an inspiration. And her name was Verda. Very nice, Verda. Thank you for thank you for sharing that one, Sherry. All right, so listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And as many of you know, I am not really into shopping and I do love Instacart, but I also don't always have access to quality foods and especially vegetables. Like I can't even get bok choy at my grocery store. And sometimes I just, I want to take a break from Sunbasket because as you know, I like the really easy meals, but um, you know, and they have about I don't know, maybe 15 of them that they rotate through. But after a while, I want to take a little break. And so when I'm taking a break, I switch over to Hungry Root. And I've used them for a couple of years now. The Hungry Root team is made up of food sourcing and personalization experts who find the most nutritious options out there that are made with whole and trusted ingredients. And then basically, they just match you with the foods that you like. You do a, like a food survey. And then um, there, if there are foods you don't like, you can take them off so that they never show them to you. And um, they have what's like, you basically kind of choose a menu. They give you these recipes. And if it looks good, you say, yes, I want this recipe. And then they just give you the groceries to make that recipe. And each recipe makes a serving of two. And um, so they're not, it's not pre-made. You do have to do some minimal cooking. It takes me anywhere from like five to 15 minutes to mix it up. It's all fresh vegetables. Much like Jen and I, they believe that healthy is personal. What's healthy to me may not be healthy to you. So for some people, that means eating more Brussels sprouts, um, including more plant-based foods. For other, that means just switching out their cookies for plant-based cookie dough. So whether you're looking for whole grain blends or you're grain-free, they will have a menu for you. In addition to that, all the food they carry is free of partially hydrogenated oils, free of artificial sweeteners, free of high fructose corn syrup, free of artificial colors, and artificial preservatives. I love to make their grain bowls using their seven grain blend. I love it. It's amazing. Last week, I made a seven grain blend with meatballs, baby broccoli, and their superfoods tomato sauce. And then I just added some of my favorite cottage cheese to make it creamy and give it a good extra protein boost. I love their brown rice and quinoa with stir fried veggies, broccoli, wild caught shrimp, and their Thai peanut sauce is amazing. And I recently tried their spinach and artichoke sauce with organic chicken thighs, baby potatoes, and roasted broccoli. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to leave the podcast and go open my window. Why? Because <laughs> that sounds so delicious now. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh my gosh. So one of the things I love about Hungry Root is they have all these sauces. So like you just sauce up your food with these amazing sauces. Nothing's boring because their sauces are amazing. So yeah, give them a try. Right now you can save $50 on your first week's order and just go to the link in show notes or visit lifelessonsbeauty.com and I will have a link on our website for it. And I was actually thinking about you, Jen, because uh-huh. this would be perfect for the beach. Yeah, you know, I think it would. I'm eating weird stuff. Right. And then you throw a little this, that together, but they they kind of throw it together. You can search. If I'm like, okay, let's see, I want baby broccoli and I want um, something Asian inspired, then I would click 
like I want an Asian inspired sauce and I want to use baby broccoli. And every recipe that they have made that includes those meal components, then you can choose from. That sounds great. And then they send it to you. Yeah, I'm eating random things like that were left over in the refrigerator of of our house and also here at the condo where my dad and my stepmother stayed. So I have a bag of broccoli, uh, not broccoli, not you said broccoli. I have a bag of spinach uh-huh. in the fridge. So I'm going to make some kind of frittata with the spinach and I have all these eggs and I have some onion. And I know and you have cheese. cheese. <laughs> I do have cheese. So I'm going to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to saute up that spinach and with some onion and some eggs and some cheese and yeah, all of so their stuff is so easy. It's just a matter of sauteing some veggies and reheating your grain or rice or potato or whatever. And then even my husband, he prepared me um, meals before I went to work for the weekend last week. And my husband's not a cook. So if he could follow these instructions, you can too. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to talk about gardening, gardening tips, hacks, tricks, remedies, all things gardening. As most of you know by now, Jen and I both love to spend time outdoors, yet neither one of us really are known for having green thumbs. Definitely not. <laughs> now, Chad, Jen's husband, he loves to work in the yard. I call, I, I think of Chad as a putterer. He does putter just, in the yard. He just putters around the yard constantly. He's constantly working on something, whether it's landscaping or planting and replanting trees. Right now it's moving the um, the sprinklers. <laughs> Somebody was walking by the house. She's like, I see you're having all sorts of water problems. And I'm like, no, he's moving the sprinkler six inches over because of the way it was sp- spraying the grass was wrong. <laughs> he's taught himself how to plumb the, anyway. Oh my oh, gosh. And I also have to share, Sherry. You know, I sent you the picture of me doing beach yard work last uh-huh. week. Yep. I was I had my clippers and Sherry said, Look, you're wearing a blouse. And I was. Um, for the record, Jen always wears a blouse. <laughs> <laughs> if she's going to slip into something more comfortable, she'll put on a different blouse. So I was doing my <laughs> beach yard work wearing a blouse. I mean it was a sleeveless blouse, right? It was a sleeveless blouse. I had clippers. That's the first time I've ever gone outside and clipped anything has been at the beach. So now, you know, this plant episode, this gardening episode is not coming from us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I've actually asked Jen's husband for like advice with planting and he does grow beautiful plants. Oh, he's great at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and several people in our online community are amazing gardeners and I'm always in awe of them. Like our friend, Wind Gypsy. Oh, I love her. She's always planting uh, just beautiful vegetables and she eats them all. And um, even Monica in New Zealand, right? She's in New Zealand. I think think so. so. She always had a great garden. And I look at people who garden and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did they do that? Because I do not have a green thumb. My mother does. I do not. Um, The only thing I've ever managed to grow and keep alive is children and dogs. And I guess my, (laughs) my husband, I think I keep my husband alive. So two weeks ago, I decided to weed my landscaping because it was kind of a mess and there were things growing in there that I knew didn't belong. And I'm currently still battling a nasty case of poison something, oak, ivy, I don't know, <laughs> oh, because no. I, I showed uh, my husband some of the things I was pulling and he thinks it might have been poison oak and poison ivy. So I, I did it really good. And oh, now, I'm afraid, now I'm afraid to touch anything. I know. Because did you know they say leaves at three, leave it be? Yes. But that's not always true. Sometimes they can have more leaves. 
Oh. <laughs> and there's different kinds of poison ivy in different parts of the world, and it looks different and it grows different. So how's a girl to know? So one of our listeners actually wrote in and asked us for an episode on gardening. And um, I did hesitate a little bit because it's not my forte, but but what are opportun- better opportunity to learn something new than to record a podcast on this subject. So we went to our amazing community, the Life Lessons uh, Facebook group. And we asked them for their best gardening tips, tricks, remedies, even their favorite gardening stories. And um, hopefully everybody learned something new today. And hopefully everybody will be inspired to maybe get outside and plant something. Absolutely. So for starters, let's go over some of the health benefits of gardening. We all know, I'm going to give you some elementary stuff here, right? Elementary lessons. We all heard of photosynthesis when we were in school and I would teach about photosynthesis with my my students. And we know that's how plants convert light energy into chemical energy. Well, humans don't do photosynthesis, but we do need vitamin D from sun exposure which helps in so many things. It helps ward off cancer, MS, diabetes, other metabolic diseases, dementia, keeps our bones strong. It helps our immune system. We've heard a lot about that lately over the past year and a half. Gardening is also great exercise, which helps you stay strong. You'll sleep better. It's great for stress. And emerging research over the last 15 years has shown that gardening can help your brain grow new memory-related nerves. It can then increase your memory and help you fight off and even treat dementia. A 2006 study found that gardening could lower the risk of dementia by 36%. I mean, that's huge. That is huge. Yeah. So when I was out there in my blouse with my clippers, you were warding I'm calling dementia. that gardening. Yeah, well, that's what I was doing. And I was getting some vitamin D. (laughs) It felt like great exercise, too. So anyway, um, multiple research studies show that gardening is an effective treatment with long-lasting results for depression, anxiety, and even if you're dealing with stressful events. Um, Gardening can also be useful for people who are recovering from addiction. In one study, when people in recovery were asked to choose between gardening or art as a therapy, those who chose gardening had a higher level of success and completed their recovery program faster than those who chose art. That's amazing. It really is. Also, you know, we've heard a lot about community gardens and neighborhood gardens, and that's a great way for people to connect and learn and grow together in a positive manner. This can help combat loneliness and isolation in older adults. You know, I've, I've worked in schools that have had gardens and it's a great way to get the kids involved. It's also a great way to get kids to try different foods. Uh-huh. Have them help they grow, grow them. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was thinking too, you know, we did our um episode early, early on. I don't even it was a while ago and people were talking about retirement. We were talking about life transitions. And one of the things people said is they just don't know how to feel. And people actually come into the life lessons community all the time and they say, I just retired and I don't know how to feel connected to people anymore. So if you're a gardener and you know, you have time on your hands, a community garden or even going to a school and helping, you know, with gardening there would be a great way to be connected and then pass down that knowledge. Right. And it's never too late to start. You know, my brother, Zach, was here at the beach. He stayed at the beach house with me for the whole week. And we had a great time chatting about things. I hadn't spent this much time with Zach. He's um, 13 years younger than me. We hadn't spent this much time together because, you know, by the time he was old enough to, I was at college already, you know. Right. So he has just started gardening. 
didn't know a thing. He he made me look at all. Oh, he let me look at. Let me change the wording. <laughs> he showed me all of his the things he's doing. It was really fascinating. He's like, here's the seeds I planted, and here's where I planted them, and he's planting them in all these wacky containers. Like he used an old Christmas tree stand and planted the seeds in there. And so then he went home from the beach and he made a little flower arrangement of his flowers that he had grown from seeds. And he's like, look, and he, he texted it to me. So it's that start to finish activity. Like that gives people so much satisfaction when you take something from its inception to that's great. Yeah, it really is. So some of the topics we asked our community to share were to give us their best lawn and garden tips and hacks, their best advice for novice gardeners, whether or not they have a fail-proof plant or flower that is easy to grow for people like me, or to share a story about their love of gardening and where did that love of gardening come from. And the first contribution is from Melinda, who says she does not have a green thumb, but she wanted to share a touching story. She wrote, this isn't a story about my gardening ability, but my mother had a green thumb. She could make anything grow from houseplants to an incredible garden that was at the envy of the town. It is her fault that store-bought tomatoes never taste good to me. A few years after she passed away, my father had passed away years before her, we decided it was time to sell her house. My brother and sister and I went to finish cleaning out the garage and barn. We all live in different states, but we made the time to meet there all together. It was such an emotional time for all of us, the end of our childhood, and the home my father built from the ground up. We finished up and we went our separate ways. What my sister and I didn't realize is that after we said goodbye, my brother turned around and went and got a bucket full of dirt from my mother's garden. Two years ago at Christmas time, I received a package from my brother. Inside was a jar of dirt and a baggie of dirt with a note that said, After the three of us left the property and went our separate ways, I drove a few miles on the way back home, and then I had this idea. I turned around, drove back to the property, and got a scoop of dirt from Mom's garden. I put it in a jar to keep on display in your home and also a bag of it so you can go and sprinkle it in your garden. He sent the same gift to my sister. It is a treasured gift. I am so pleased to say that although I did not inherit the gardening green thumb gene, my oldest daughter did. It is amazing to me how my parents continue to live on in their posterity. My mom would be so proud of my daughter and how much she loves each one of her plants and the care she takes of them. Oh, the conversations they could have had. Oh, I love that. That's a great story. So Larissa from North Carolina says, if you are new to gardening, visit a local plant nursery and talk to a staff member. They can give you ideas and direct you to plants that will work for your yard and soil. Um, By the way, also where it grows in your yard, sun and shade are such a big thing because I'm always like, Chad, grow me X, Y, Z. And he's like, I cannot (laughs) have the right. I'm like, I want it right there. And he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently what the sun is doing and the shade that you have makes a really big difference. Anyway, it's also beneficial to try to stick with native plants for your area, which make it easier for the plants to grow and thrive. The local birds and bees will thank you too. Larissa says, don't be afraid to fail. It's a learning process and all the plants are different. You'll eventually find your style of gardening and be successful, but it takes time and lots of tries. Have fun and enjoy the process. Larissa adds, I've always loved wildflower gardens, nothing structured, but more nature-like. This year, I moved into a house with a big yard and nearly empty flower beds. I have since become obsessed with growing my own wildflower garden. Can I say, last year I tried to grow a wildflower garden. 
Because I had this flower bed when I moved in and they had like, I think they actually planted stuff in it every year, which I don't do. And so it was just kind of weedy and gross. And so my father-in-law tilted up and I just planted a bunch of wildflower seed packets in there. And sure right. enough, it started to grow and I got all excited. And then pretty soon it looked like I had a bed full of weeds. Oh no! And it looked like weeds for about two months. And then <laughs> finally it flowered. But they're so tall that they would fall over into the yard. So then oh. while you're trying to mow, you're trying to mow around these like falling flowers. And then it just went back to looking like weeds again. It was a so failed did experiment. did not have great success. No, but I'm thinking there's different kinds of wildflowers. So maybe. You got a bad mix. I, I bought the wrong mix, of course. The wrong thing. <laughs> I was also going to add, Larissa suggested going to the plant nursery. You also can connect with your local extension service. Mm-hmm. And they have classes and master gardeners, and they can really, really help you. And we even, I'm like, I was looking at something like this for Chad. He, You can even sign up to be trained as a master gardener. Oh, that's fun. And then, yeah, like they'll train you and then you have to volunteer or you get to volunteer. I mean, that would be a great use of, of your time. if you. So if you want to know more about gardening, see, I mean, it's free. You know, they have it in, in Augusta that we could do for free. You go, they'll train you, then you give back to your community and teach others. So I can't think of. If you like gardening, I can think of anything more fun. I was going to say, but I don't know if I would like to do that. <laughs> Maybe one day, never say never. Watching well, my sister Allison's gardening like crazy now and watching Zach do it. I might just have to give in and just do it. Give we'll it a try. It. I don't know. I, I did like the clippers. <laughs> it is satisfying to take something and hack it down. Like yes. I, I felt great after I got all the weeds pulled. I was like, oh, it looks so much better. Then you until, felt itchy. Until I started itching the next day. Right. And yeah. Pat in Alabama, who I actually know from a local group of intermittent fasters. She's a really sweet lady. She is an amazing gardener. I am um, friends with her on Facebook. And I always really enjoy looking at her uh, pictures of her yard. And um, she suggests that you start early in the spring with weeding and mulching. And that will help keep the weeds down over the summer. And before planting, she suggests watching how the sun comes over your yard. And she says winter will be different than summer. So really pay attention to where your sunshine and your shade is. Yes. Then look at the tags on your plants or research as to the ideal sun exposure so that you can make sure your plants get the ideal amounts of sunshine or not too much. She says, I don't plant formally. I like a more carefree, west restful and whimsical style. Um, so she doesn't have your like really, you know, landscaped beds that, you know, are so popular. Um, but all of her plants are just gorgeous. She tries to avoid insecticides and instead she says, you know, you can just remove worms from your plants and, um, she picks Japanese beetles off of her plants and immerses them in soapy water. And, um, I was not familiar with Japanese beetles, so I had to look them up. And once I saw what they looked like, I knew exactly what they were. They're kind of pretty, actually. They're like kind of a green little beetle, but they will devastate your plants. They just oh, eat them mm -hmm. up. So if you've ever seen a, a leaf and it's got like holes all over it and you just see the spines of the leaves, you've got a Japanese beetle problem. And um, one way that you can get rid of it is they say to go out in the morning and pick them off your plants early in the morning because that's when they come out to feed. And then they said if it's a real problem, um, especially like um, in the fall, 
to go out and you take a mixture of soapy water. You take two tablespoons of dish soap per one gallon of water and you spray it all over your, your yard. And it says it forces Japanese beetle larvae to the surface and then the birds will come and eat the larvae. So then you don't have a beetle problem the next year. So that's a great solution. Chad tried to grow me some zucchini one year and something ate them all up. I bet it was Japanese beetles. Maybe so. Cause they had those holes. Yeah. She said, I like to use a good grade potting soil mixed with some black gold. Um, that way you have a good loose dirt with good nutrients in it. And she shared about her love of gardening. And she said, both my granddaddy on my mother's side and my grandma on my daddy's side loved to garden. I used to walk their gardens with them and I knew every one of their plants. That's a I sweet that. story. Yeah, that is. Rebecca from Ohio has some great tips for cutting down on weeds. She says, I can't keep up with weeds ever. For my vegetable garden, I buy sheets of black plastic from a store like Rural King and spread it over my tilled ground. I cut X's for the plants and slits for the seeds. Sometimes I add a bit of straw under tomato or zucchini plants for insulation from the hot plastic. The plastic keeps down the weeds and holds in the heat and the moisture. They usually last two years. In my flower beds, though, I prefer heavy layers of newspaper or cardboard under mulch for weed control. My fail-proof trick is to plant a whole egg with each tomato and pepper plant. Wow. I never heard of that before, Sherry. Have you heard of that? I had not, but I said something about it to my husband, and he said that somebody in his family used to do that, but he just thought it was a wives' tale. Plant the egg in there. Then she said, as the season progresses, the egg decays and feeds the plant. Okay, that is so cool. Yeah. I'm going to share that with Chad. She said, I'm having much healthier plants and better crops with this trick, and it's all natural. Thankfully, I have chickens and plenty of cracked or other cast-off eggs to use. For weed control, she also suggests a salt and vinegar combo as a decent organic weed killer on walkways and driveways, though it needs to be reapplied every four to six weeks. She said her grandmother and mother always had big vegetable gardens, and she picked up her love of gardening and knowledge of canning and preserving from them. She says, my grandma always had a row or two of zinnias along the garden border, so I always try to leave room for some too. By the time harvest is over, I'm sick of the garden work and tempted to quit gardening, but not much more than a couple of months later, I'm looking forward to spring and planning what next year's garden will grow. Well, I had a laugh when I read this next submission. It's from, this is how she submitted this, Lori from Alabama, also known as Sherry's work wife. I didn't even know she made a submission. So I'm not sure if I've really mentioned when I go to Birmingham to work on the weekends, I sleep at a coworker's house and her and I work the night shift and her husband works the day shift. So we just flip flop. And um, when I, the very first day I met her, I'd never known her before that minute. She asked me where I lived and I told her, and she was like, where are you going to stay when you come work? I said, I'm going to drive back and forth. And she said, Oh no, you're not. She said, I live right down the street. That's crazy. You're going to stay with me. And I left work. (laughs) I left work like thinking, that's crazy. Who invites somebody they don't know to stay with them? But um, when we opened the doors for our ER and we went to work that first night, the next morning, she's like, okay, follow me. And that's what I've been doing every Sunday ever since. That's great. And she's great. She's fabulous. I love her. So, and she has an amazing, beautiful yard. And so I get to see, I may not be a gardener, but I stay with somebody who is. 
Her best tip is find the plants that are easy to grow in your area, which is kind of what Larissa said. Um, and if you think about it, that makes sense. They, they're thriving in your area for a reason. She wrote, here in Alabama, I have the best luck with sun ferns, foxtail ferns, sweet potato vine, creeping jenny, lantana. And she said some varieties of lantana may actually come back year after year if the winter is mild. Her best advice is to water them consistently. Do not lantana be a- is my favorite, by the way. Is it? Do, do you Does like it lantana? Does it have like purple flowers on it? It has different colors. At my beach house, we have two different colors of lantana growing right on the dune. There's a yellow lantana. Okay. And there's also a pinky purpley one over okay. on the other side. Oh, and there's an app. Oh, my God. I have to tell you about this app that Zach got, my brother. And it you actually can point it uh-huh. at a flower and it identifies it. Do you know what it's called? No. Somebody recommends one down later. Okay, that might be it, but it is absolutely amazing. We went to Brook Green Gardens, and he was all over the place identifying things. Well, I have this bad habit of asking my husband. I'll be like, (laughs) I asked him, I said, what do you think this tree is outside of our bedroom window? And he says, it's a persimmon tree. And I'm like, really? Do they flower? And he's (laughs) like, made that up. He totally just made it up, but he had me going. And then he's like... (laughs) I don't know what kind of a tree it is. He's like, do well, I you need like this arbor? It'll identify it for you. I'm like, this is a miracle. Again, I don't know how it works, but it was a miracle anyway. Oh my gosh. So she says, um, yeah, don't be afraid to put your finger in the dirt and just see how wet or dry it may be. I have a strong homemade mixture of miracle Grow and water in a big pump bottle, and I just add it to my water pitcher. I do fill all my water pitchers in the evenings, and I let it set overnight to let the chlorine dissipate. I'm not sure if this really does any good, but it is just some info that was passed down from my mother. My love of gardening came from my parents who have a small greenhouse and a huge vegetable garden. My mom will put a stick in dirt and give it to me and say, here is a snowball bush. And next thing you know, a dead stick has turned into a bush with flowers. It just blows my mind how she does that. Amazing. If you give me a dead stick and some dirt, it's going to remain a dead stick. (laughs) Exactly. Actually, if you give me a live plant and some dirt, it's probably going to turn into a dead stick yeah, and some dirt. Exactly. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Although, thank goodness for the people that can nurse them back to help. I, um, one year, Chad gave me an orchid to take to school the first day of school, and I had it on my my desk there and it was beautiful. And then it died, and I was going to throw it away. And this other teacher's like, no, I can revive that. Did she? I'm like, all right. Yeah. She took it home and revived oh my gosh. it. I know. Thank goodness <laughs> for those people. All right. Rhonda from Oklahoma says, my thumb is not that green, LOL. I can grow some things, but I really don't know how or why or how to really make them thrive. My fail-proof plants are ivies, rose moss, Boston ferns, just water, 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 and sunshine. My mother and grandmother both loved growing things. My mom had tons of plants and could just do magic with them. My grandmother could grow roses like nobody's business. I have a deep love for plants, but I have killed every rose bush I have ever had or at least made them where they no longer bloom. Indoor plants are even worse for me. I have had some success with potted outdoor plants the last couple of years, but it's kind of hit or miss. I need a plant guru to tell me what to do. And again, so now you know what to do. Go to your local extension service or go to the plant uh-huh. nursery. They will help you. My mom has no real idea how she keeps the plants alive while I do tons of research and still kill them. We had the same type of plant given to us and hers thrived while mine shriveled. I finally put it out on the porch for her to take care of. She lives next door and it's gorgeous now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Patty from Michigan shares, when pruning a rose bush, oh, 
I think maybe Rhonda needs this information. When pruning a rose bush, be sure to cut just above a five-leaf stem to keep the cane strong. I also have coffee grounds to put around the base of plants. It loosens the soil for drainage and attracts worms. These are tips from my mom, age 93. And why mess with something that's worked well for 73 years? Hostas are such a good go-to plant in our area. I also know of many who enjoy growing knockout roses because they just don't require much care. They produce lots of blooms for a long period of time. I don't plant a fruit and vegetable garden like my dad did, but I still continue a raspberry patch that he had behind the house, which I purchased when my mom moved to a condominium. His greatest pride and treasure were his beefsteak tomatoes, where one slice covered the entire piece of bread for BLT sandwiches. Yum. Mom's love for all plants, beautiful and scented, continues to this day. We were never allowed to buy her a rose bush unless it had a sweet scent. The Diana Princess of Wales roses are her favorite. I'm proud to say that I've kept all of them growing strong since buying her house in 2013. Oh, I love that. All right. So Janice from Iowa says the app Seek by L Naturalist, or is it iNaturalist? I think it's iNaturalist. Okay. Seek by iNaturalist. She said it's free and will help you identify weeds. As far as plants that are easy to grow, we have a plant that was given to us for my dad's funeral in 1985. We cut and propagate it again and again. We now have part of this plant in all my siblings' homes, and I have at least 10 at my school library where I work. It's the, okay, hmm. Diffenbachia? Diffenbachia, I think so. If not, sorry, that's the best we can do, (laughs) which Wikipedia describes as a perennial herbaceous plant with straight stem, simple and alternate leaves containing white spots and flecks, making it attractive as indoor foliage. Species in this genus are popular as houseplants because of their tolerance of shade. Its English name is dumb cane or mother-in-law's tongue. Oh, I know what that one is. I've seen that. Um, And she said, if you eat it, it makes your tongue numb. Oh, that's why. Then you want to feed it to your mother-in-law? I don't is know. That- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or is it spiky like a mother-in-law's tongue, right? Well, what- I suggest it don't, is spiky. don't eat it. <laughs> I think it's spiky, isn't it? It spiky? is. I think it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know my mom grows it. Yep. She said it can get big. I've had them get over eight feet tall at my work. My home plants are about two feet tall. The peace lily is also easy. When the leaves, leaves droop, water it. Pretty hard to kill. She's never seen me try to. Grow I was say, <laughs> I'm just impressed that they've had the same plant since 1985. That's amazing. That's 36 years. I know. Sarah from New York says start your seeds indoors about one month before transplanting them outside. Use a grow light on them at least 10 hours a day, but 12 to 15 is ideal. Then, when it's time, transfer them outside slowly a few hours one day half a day the next, eventually working up to outside all day permanently. For vegetables, zucchini and yellow squash are fairly easy to grow and maintain. For flowers, lantana is my favorite and it's pretty hardy. It can go in full sun without water for a few days without getting droopy and it will perk right back up once it's watered. For To get rid of aphids, mix one aphids. part. Aphids? It aphids? I don't I think know. It's aphids. I don't, I'm going to tell you, I don't think I've ever said that word in my life. I think it's aphids, yeah. I think you're probably right. You're the science teacher. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Mix one part vinegar with two parts water and spray it all over your plants and repeat every week until the aphids are gone. 
I never had a green thumb before, but when the pandemic hit, I bought my kids a little gardening kit as just something to do, never expecting it to do well. But it did, and everything grew. From there, we added more and more veggies and made a container garden in our back deck and enjoyed fresh veggies all year. It was therapeutic, and it gave me something else to focus on. Oh, that's great. All right, Rhonda asked for some help and specific tips for hydrangeas and African violets. Yeah, I love hydrangeas. They're some of my favorites. Chad is going to plant a bunch of those for me when we're done with the backyard work. Because you had some in the backyard, didn't you? Well, we had some at our other house. Okay. The house that we lived in for so long had more hydrangeas in the yard than like any house I've ever seen before. The whole backyard was like ringed with them. Our first June in the house, I remember I went outside and I was like, oh, I mean, it's like all these blue hydrangeas and it had oak leaf hydrangeas. It was fabulous. But we haven't had very many at this house, but he's going to plant them. They need, they need, if they have too much sun, they don't do well. So Rhonda wanted some tips for hydrangeas and African violets. And according to Southern Living Magazine, hydrangeas need full morning sun, but afternoon shade. And if they get too much hot sun, they will droop. That is true. (laughs) So they do well if it's breezy. They need plenty of water in the soil, but it also needs to be able to drain off. And it's also suggested that you maintain three to four inches of mulch around them to help hold in the moisture. It's also important to know your hydrangea variety. You may not want to use a sprinkler to water them. Just water the soil instead. Some of them only bloom once per season, whereas others bloom repeatedly. So if you have one, if you have the kind that only blooms once, you're supposed to prune them. But if you have a continual blooming plant, then you can prune them at any time. You can also adjust the color of your blooms by adjusting your soil pH, which is did so you know cool. that? I did know that. I did. <laughs> so the blue flowers are um, come about if your soil is more acidic and it's pink if it's more alkaline. So if you want them to be blue, add aluminum sulfate to the soil. And if you want them to be pink, add lime to the soil. Some of them actually even change colors over that time. Like, like a they, great science experiment. I though. know. It really is. But some of them like bloom one color and then fade to another. I wonder if it has to do with like how much rain you've had. Because that would know. affect your soil pH, it would. wouldn't it? It would. I just love having so many hydrangeas that you can just cut them and they're beautiful inside. Like they're they're the ones I like to go out and cut so I and think bring inside. When Lori mentioned the snowball bush. I think mm-hmm. that's what she was referring to. Oh, maybe. The white ones. Maybe a white I think hydrangea. I've, I think I've heard them called that before. Okay, maybe so. Now, um, the most important thing is if your plants are exposed to freezing temperatures, cover them with mulch and straw to protect them from the cold. And if you live in cooler climates, you can plant them in pots, which can be brought indoors during the winter months, and then just water them occasionally throughout the winter. We don't have to bring ours in in the winter. We just leave them out. Yeah. They, and they, they stay year after year. Yeah. Something I saw said that, you know, they're very, very popular in the South just because the climate here is good it's for perfect. them. But that, you you know, you can grow them elsewhere, but that's where the pots are helpful so that you can, they don't die over yeah, they're the winter perfect. time. They're perfect in the, in the Augusta, Georgia climate. And they're really my favorite. Like I said, they're so beautiful for bringing inside. Mm-hmm. Although you do have to kind of shake them around to get the spiders off. That's my tip. <laughs> Well, strangely enough, the only plant that I've ever had good luck growing are African violets. And my mom, who has this wonderful green thumb and can grow anything, she came into my house once and I'd had this plant for years. And she's like, how on earth have you managed to keep this African violet alive? Um, Because she could never keep one 
thriving. And when I started looking into this, many gut gardeners are actually intimidated by them because they have a reputation for being finicky. So I'm like, how did I do this? And it turns out, <laughs> apparently, the way I garden is great for African violets. So it's important to use special African violet soil, and you can buy it at any nursery, or you can make your own, which seems really complicated. You need equal parts of peat moss, vermiculite, and perlite. And like I said, I think the reason I was good at growing them is they really don't require a lot of care. So I tend to forget to water plants. So this was perfect for me because you don't want to overwater these plants. Mine was in my kitchen. So it received daylight. Plus I had a light above my sink where it sat. And so it pretty much had light 24 seven. They do need at least eight hours of light per day. And they suggest rotating the plant towards the light source randomly because it affects how it flowers. And they also suggest supplementing sunlight with artificial light, which is what I was doing. And as for watering, I would just occasionally stick my finger in. If it felt dry, I'd be like, oh, I haven't watered this in a while. It's dry. Let's give it, let's give it a drink. And that's exactly how you should water them. A lot of people don't um, do well with them because they tend to overwater them and they don't thrive if they're too wet. They suggest using lukewarm or tepid water that has been allowed to stand for 48 hours. Um, and at the time I had a countertop water filtration system. So I would just use that water and I would just add a little, like a few drops of this African violet food. It just comes in a little bottle. I'd give it a little drop of that. And um, turns out that's the perfect scenario for watering them. It is important to water at the soil level. So kind of pull the leaves up and put the water straight in the dirt. Don't get water on the leaves because um, it can damage the leaves. And I also don't really recommend wicking um, where you put like the water in the the saucer under the, some people will water, they'll put water in the saucer and allow it to like draw up the moisture. And they say they don't really do that well that way. Um, pinch off the dead blooms um, or it won't continue to give you flowers. So apparently, even though I did not know what I was doing, I was doing everything right for African violets. And I'm actually kind of inspired now to get a few plants for my house as I have zero plants in my house. And African violets just add a nice pop of color and cheer. And so I'm actually gonna challenge all of our listeners that think you cannot grow a plant. Maybe try an African violet. Get one, take care of it. Maybe that will give you a little encouragement to grow or plant something else and um, post pictures of your plants in our, in our Facebook group. And if you have any other tips, share those as well there. Awesome. What do you well, think, Jen? You know, and also, well, I did, you know, with my research for the book Cleanish that's coming out soon, available for pre-order, plants are great at cleaning the air in your house. Yes. Mm -hmm. I talked about that and it's, it's like a self-cleaning tool that you can have. So, you know, definitely find some house plants and, and they actually have done research on this. So it's, it's a scientific truth. So yeah, get some plants. Chad wants to put some plants in our little TV den. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I that, would love to, to have do. some plants. I have a little desk or not a desk, um, like a little chest thing really next to this window and it gets sun a lot. And I've often thought it'd be really nice to have plants there, but I'm like, I'm just going to kill it. Why? <laughs> Why even try? Well, let's change our mindset, Sherry. Okay. Today we are going to change our mindset and we can grow plants. All right. I'm going to start with an African violet. Okay. We're doing it. We're going right. to get some plants. Okay. <laughs> Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and that is Bellicon Rebounders. I've been a fan of Bellicon for over a decade, 
And in the last year or so, I don't know, maybe it's been two years now. I turned Jen on to rebounding. 2019. It's been two years. Wow. Time flies. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what a rebounder is, just think indoor trampoline. But instead of springs that can be hard on your joints and your spine, the Bellicon uses smooth bungees. And it's not huge. You know, I have it in my den that I was just talking about that where I watch TV and it fits behind the sofa between the, the sofa and the wall. And I just keep it there all the time. Yeah. And so I can just go bounce on it. It comes in three sizes just based off of what you want to do with it. So if you just want to do a gentle health bounce and get in some cardio activity while you're watching TV, the 36 inch might be perfect for you. I got the smallest Uh one. It's either 36 or 37 inches. Mine's 44. And then they actually make one that's 48 inches for people that want to do more like um, aerobic type activity on it with some weight training involved. It gives you a more surface area to move around. Um, there's something just naturally soothing about rebounding on the Bellicon, both physically and emotionally. And maybe it's just that uh, there's a, you know, a change of pace, your body's doing something new. Um, bouncing is just, it's different from our normal daily movements. And some people think it triggers unconscious memories of being in the womb or cradle. So whatever the reason, exercising on this rebounder leaves the body and mind at peace. And on a biological level, the automatic contraction and relaxation of the muscles improves blood flow, boosts your body's oxygen levels that has rejuvenating effects. Bouncing on a Bellicon also relaxes tense muscles and lubricates your joints, massaging away the day's cares. And from a mental perspective, focusing on a physical activity soothes a busy mind. My kids, my son especially, ADHD. And he really struggled with homework and staying focused and he'd get frustrated. And when he was like struggling with math or whatever and getting frustrated, I would tell him to take 10 and he would go jump on my rebounder, you know, get out his stress, come back in a better mood. His focus was better. So there, I mean, there's something to it. I, I fully believe it. And when you exercise, you do, you have, you know, these feel good neurotransmitters that counteract the effects of stress, depression, anxiety, and just leaves you feeling more centered and calm. And can I tell you what I really think that the the rebounder has helped me with? What's that? Pelvic floor strength. Oh. mm -hmm. I really, you know, I've been reading Apple News. Cal wanted me to upgrade our Apple subscription because he wanted Apple News plus whatever. So I did. So now I'm reading Apple News every day since I'm paying for it because he's on the family plan, right? When do kids get off your family plan, by the way? Never? I I don't know. I think when they get a job. Oh, well, that would, and married, Cal's married, yeah. he has a job, he's on my family plan. We tried to put Kate on it, but she's on her family's family plan. So I think they just stay on forever. Anyway, I've been reading lots of articles about pelvic floor health and strengthening, you know, so you don't have those oops, leaks moments uh-huh. as we get older. And I swear, I think jumping on the Bellicon has, is going to keep my pelvic floor strong. There is research behind that. Yeah. It just Mm -hmm. feels like that. So anyway, if you have leakage moments, you might really need a Bellicon. (laughs) I mean, you may have some leakage moments while jumping on the Bellicon until you get those muscles activated and stronger. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And then it'll, it'll stop that. Anyway, so I don't have that problem, which is amazing. So you can find out more and order your own Bellicon by visiting our website at lifelessonscommunity.com on the shop with us tab. And every purchase helps you you and help support this podcast. 
Yes. So next we have a segment we call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Dennis from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. I love this one. I do Dennis too. Says, when trying to decide if you can do a household chore or repair or task yourself versus hiring a professional, always factor in the cost of a doctor or ER visit. <laughs> and that made me laugh so hard because I remember when we moved into this house and Chad was like trying to clean the gutters and we have a really tall house yes. <laughs> compared to our last house. And he was up on the roof and I'm like, someone is going to die today. Get off the roof. <laughs> No well, one did, but <laughs> I'm not, I can't even tell you the number of trauma patients who come in cleaning out their gutters Yeah, I know. or deciding that they are going to trim a tree themselves because, oh, I can just climb up there and trim those limbs. Let me tell you, doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. There are a reason why people are trained professionals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dennis, for that tip. I loved it. Oh, the uh, at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener, and today's quote comes from Carol. The quote is, it's harder to let go than to hold on. She says, this holds so true, whether it's saying goodbye to a loved one, to a suffering pet, or even ourselves while trying to let go of sabotaging habits and beginning to get and feel healthier. That is really true. It is really hard to let go. Yeah. You know, people, uh, a lot of times they have this story of themselves or the story of their life and they get comfortable with that story. Really? That's who they, they identify. That's their identity. And then like creating a new identity and letting that go can be scary, but it can also be healing. Absolutely. Taking the, the risk and having the bravery to do it. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Carol. Yeah, that was great. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. Make sure to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We'd love for you to leave a review so that we can reach other people. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.